0: you got the bus! And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the Major Junior.
1: This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Calis Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potcher
0: from the Guelph Storm. This is Ackler LaRue from the Halifax
2: Moosehead. Natai Gaucher. I play for the Quebec Grand Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North State Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show.
0: NCAA.
1: This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos.
2: This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota, Toulouse. This is Brock Faber from the University of
0: Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of
2: the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon v Kings. My name is Adam Giam. I'm playing for people off field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm
0: Connor Bedard for the Regina Pads, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Bring This is the Pipeline Show. <laughs>
3: All right, welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Gee Flaming. Pleasure to have you along this week. Whether you downloaded this week's episode via Spotify or Apple Podcasts or iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcast from, perhaps you're listening in via Edmonton Sports Talk, which is on Saturdays and Monday evenings, if you are a listener of this show, via edmontonsportstalk.com. Great job building Edmonton Sports Talk by a bunch of My old colleagues at uh, TSN 1260 have a loaded show for you this week. I'll let you know what the guest list looks like a little bit later here in this opening segment. But of course, a reminder, the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. You can't win friends with salad. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and it's available in three Edmonton and area locations. In Leduc, in Spruce Grove, and in West Edmonton Mall. Trust me, your taste buds will thank you for it. Get some beef jerky. Do it today. If you happen to be in Western Canada, but not near Edmonton, go to willhockbeefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Let them know the Pipeline Show sent you. It's a big show this week with four guests. But before we can get to the meat of the show, let's get through the news and notes here in this opening segment. We'll start with the CHL's top 10 this week. Baicamo has reclaimed the number one spot, pushing Saskatoon down by one. The London Knights hold steady at three. Prince George is up to number four this week. The Saginaw Spirit are five. The Drummondville Voltageurs from the queue are in sixth place. Portland and Everett hold steady at seven and eight. The Swift Current Broncos enter the picture at number nine. And the Rouyn-Noranda Huskies get back to the top ten in that final number ten spot. Now that the calendar has officially uh, flipped to March, we're going to start seeing some CHL signings of the 2003-born group of free agent players out of the Canadian Hockey League. If you're wondering why March 1st seems to be a unofficial starting point for a, like a window opening up, it kind of is. If teams want the contract to start in 24-25, so next season, then it is March 1st. NHL teams could have signed guys last week, but then you would have burned the first year of uh, an entry-level deal. So that's why we're starting to see guys getting signed here as of today. The first one that I noticed was uh, Max McHugh from the London Knights is now a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Tampa Bay signed Milo Rollins, who was with the Acadie bathurst Teton, And uh, just announced here moments ago, the Washington Capitals have signed Zach Funk from the Prince George Cougars. Leads the league in goal scoring. So those are the just the first three. I imagine there will be more in the uh, next few days, maybe even in the next few hours. By the time I get the show done here, there might be another one or two that we could slip in. Let's get to the playoff races uh, across all the leagues that we talk about here on the Pipeline Show. We'll start in the Quebec Maritime Junior Hockey League. It's a 19-team league. 16 teams make the playoffs. The only one we're pretty confident in saying uh, won't would be Val d'Or. They've only got 35 points well back of uh, the clubs who are in the playoffs. And then it comes down to, I believe it'll be St. John or Quebec. The defending Memorial Cup champion Quebec Rampart and the St. John Sea Dogs tied right now with 42 points. St. John has one game in hand. Everybody at the top still looking up at the Bay Como, who, again, now they're the number one ranked team in the CHL. 97 points with 10 games still to play. They've got a big lead right now in the Eastern Conference uh, over the Halifax Mooseheads and in the West, Drummondville's the top team, but they've, only, they've got 86 points, which is really good, but it's 11 points back of Bay Como for top spot in the queue. In the Ontario Hockey League, in the Western Conference, that's where we see the bulk of the... High-end teams this year, London, Saginaw, Sioux, St. Marie, and uh, Kitchener, all with more points than anybody in the Eastern Conference. Teams who are not going to make the playoffs this year, well, I think we can safely say the Windsor Spitfires are out. The Niagara Ice Dogs, with only 39 points this year, they would be out as well. Doesn't look good for the Peterborough Peets, the uh, OHL representative at the Memorial Cup last season. 10 points back of the Barry Colts, who hold down the final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. So we might see the Quebec Rampart not in the playoffs. The Peterborough Peets not in the playoffs. We'll get to the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Kamloops Blazers uh, when we're looking at the Western Conference uh, playoff races, but potentially all four teams at the Memorial Cup last year not in their league playoffs this year. Getting back to the uh, OHL in the Western Conference, a little bit of a battle to see who's going to be the last place, uh, the last team to make the Western Conference playoffs. Sarnia is on the outside looking in, but they're two wins back of the Flint Firebirds. And the Erie Otters aren't necessarily safe right now either. They've got 57 points. In fact, from 5th to ninth, there's 9 points separating 5 teams. So still a bit of a, a race at the bottom end of the Western Conference. Okay, let's get to the WHL playoff picture. Really good race in the Eastern Conference. I think it, it could come right down to the wire. We might even see a, a single playoff game uh, between uh, a couple of teams to get that last playoff spot. Eight points separating 6th place Brandon and ninth place Calgary right now. In between, you've got Prince Albert and Lethbridge. Officially, Lethbridge in eighth with 57 points. The Calgary Hitmen one back of them. Of those teams... Lethbridge has only won two of their last 10. Calgary's only won three of their last 10. And Prince Albert's won seven of their last 10. They're one of the hottest teams in the conference right now. But it is still really tight. It's also tight at the top of the conference. Not necessarily with Saskatoon. They've got a big lead. But after them, Jaw is 76 points. Medicine Hat has 73. And Swift Current has 70. Now keep in mind, Musha can't be the number two seed in the conference in the uh, opening round because Saskatoon and they are in the same division. So right now it's medicine hat and swift current in a dogfight for top spot in the central and don't discount the red deer rebels five points separating those three teams. It's going to come right down to the wire. Good chase there. And much like I mentioned with uh, Prince Albert that they've gotten hot swift current is the hot team right now. They've won six in a row. They're in town here on Saturday night to take on the Edmonton Oil Kings. Speaking of whom I didn't mention in that uh, playoff race, with 45 points, they are 12 back of the final playoff spot. They've got 10 games left, so if they ran the table, they could end with 65 points, which means Lethbridge, I think their magic number to at least eliminate Edmonton is uh, five. A combination of five Lethbridge wins and Edmonton Oil King losses would eliminate Edmonton. Now that's according to my math, which isn't great. Meanwhile, in the Western Conference, the 8th place Spokane Chiefs have 53 points. That's 6 more than the Tri-City Americans. Still 11 games each for both of those two teams to play. I think it'll come down to those two teams. Kelowna is in 7th place with 56 points. But uh, it doesn't look good for the Seattle Thunderbirds or the Kamloops Blazers who have 44 points. I pointed this out on Twitter uh, earlier this week. The 2022 WHL champion Edmonton Oil Kings and the 2023 champion Seattle Thunderbirds and the Memorial Cup hosts last year, the Kamloops Blazers, uh, the three teams in the bottom of the WHL standings, that just shows you the cyclical nature of junior hockey. And then when you consider what I mentioned about Peterborough and uh, the Quebec Rampart, this is not exclusive to the Western Hockey League. You win... You should expect the next couple of years to be tough. Meanwhile, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, it's only eleven teams left. In previous years, twelve teams would make the playoffs. I think what we're going to see—I don't—I don't know if this has uh, been made official. I was looking on their website, couldn't find it, but I believe ten of the eleven teams will make it, and uh, they'll be like the seventh place will play tenth, eighth will play ninth, while the top six kind of wait for. Uh, that little mini round to get uh, settled, uh, that would mean the Olds Grizzlies the only team who uh, should not make the playoffs. And there is a pretty big gap between Olds and the rest of the league. So that would make sense. At the top, the White Hart Wolverines have already clinched the regular season title. They've got 71 points. Next, it's Bonneville and Lloyd with 62. And the Calgary Canucks with 61. John Heller has 60 points. All five of those clubs have locked in a playoff spot. We'll skip the BCHL for now uh, as I have a segment coming up on the show with a uh, lots of BCHL content. So going over to the USHL, they play 62 games. Uh, most teams still have 15, 16, 17 games still to play, so lots to still be decided in the regular season for the USHL. Top spot in the East would be the Dubuque Fighting Saints. They have a three-win lead over the Green Bay Gamblers. But if we're talking about races to get into the playoffs, Chicago right now holds down the final spot, but they are certainly not safe. They're one point back of Madison, but they're uh, only a couple ahead of the Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. So three teams basically fighting for that last playoff spot in the USHL's Eastern Conference and in the Western Conference. Kind of similar with uh, Lincoln currently in sixth, trying to track down the Sioux Falls Stampede, who have two wins more. And Des Moines hold off Des Moines, who are back by three points. The good news for Lincoln is they have four games in hand on Sioux Falls and two games in hand on Des Moines. So kind of control their own fate. Your top 20 in Division I men's college hockey. It's a unanimous choice as the number one team right now. That would be Boston College. This going by the uh, USCHO poll. Boston University is next with North Dakota coming in at number three. Wisconsin at four. Denver is five. Then you have Michigan State, Quinnipiac, Minnesota, Maine, and Providence is uh, ranked number 10. Colorado College, Western Michigan, Cornell, Massachusetts is 14. St. Cloud, the Michigan Wolverines are 16. New Hampshire, Omaha, RIT, and Arizona State comes in as the number 20 team in the USCHO top 20. You see the big brawl between Arizona in the game between Arizona State and Alaska last weekend? couple of players suspended for the rest of the season by their respective teams. That means it's all of four games. The season's basically over. But still, you don't see uh, brawls very often in college hockey. Notable game this weekend, or notable series this weekend, uh, comes in the Big Ten as the Michigan State and Wisconsin meet. It's the final weekend of regular season play in the Big Ten, and those two teams separated by two points. Michigan State is in first place. Wisconsin behind them. Wisconsin is at home, though, for this series. They play Friday and Saturday. If Wisconsin wins them both, they'll be the number one seed in the conference playoffs. Michigan State could lock up first place with a win as early as Friday night. You know, pretty impressive season for both of those teams. I think everybody was expecting it to be Minnesota and Michigan at the top of the Big Ten. Uh, Those two clubs are number three and four, respectively. But uh, kudos to... uh, Michigan State, and Wisconsin. Got This weekend will be the last of the regular season for the Big Ten, as I mentioned. I think Atlantic Hockey is actually starting their first round of their uh, their playoffs this weekend. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams. There's 10, 11 teams in the conference. Next weekend will be the final week of regular season activity for the rest of the conferences, and then we get into conference playoffs in college hockey. Playoffs? All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline, Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop and see what they have in inventory for you to pick from. Go down to your local liquor store here in Alberta, and if they don't have what you want from Troubled Monk, ask them to bring it in for you. Keep in mind, it's not just craft beer. It's craft beverages. They've got spirits. They've got the hard iced tea, vodka, and gin, and some soda as well. Although I'll have to tell you, I know they've uh, stopped making their root beer. The last shipment of Troubled Monk that I uh, picked up, I was able to get some root beer, down to a six-pack. I don't drink a lot of soda. There's something a little bit different about the, the Troubled Monk sodas. I'm disappointed that they've stopped making the root beer because it's delicious. All right, let's get to this week's guest list, and uh, we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight three times this week. Three players eligible for the upcoming NHL draft that you need to know, and we're going to start it off with a bang. Zane Perec, defenseman with the Saginaw Spirit, Could be a top 10 pick this year. He is putting up monster numbers. Over 80 points this season. He's flirting with 100 points as a draft eligible defenseman. Crazy numbers uh, for this Saginaw Spirit rearguard. And a really well-spoken kid. Enjoyed the conversation a lot, and I think you will too. So he is going to lead the way for us this week. From there, we'll go to the USHL. And uh, one of the top players from that league who is not associated with the national development team, is uh, Michael Hage. He's Canadian from Mississauga, playing for the Chicago Steel. He'll be joining the uh, Michigan Wolverines next season. Pretty interesting player. I think you'll want to get to know Michael before the draft rolls around. So uh, we'll have that coming up in the second guest segment this week. That'll be followed by another Medicine Hat Tiger. We've had Caden Lindstrom on the show. We've had Andrew Basha on the show. And now it's time for Tomas Mursik. Ranked in the top 100 in North America by NHL Central Scouting. And pretty much a point-per-game player coming into this weekend's play. So deserving to be uh, one of the three. It's a trio of 2024 draft spotlight segments to begin this week. And then, as I mentioned, we going to talk a little BCHL. Brian Weeb from BCHL Network is going to be my guest to wrap up this week's episode. As that uh, league has now evolved, it now has 22 teams with the addition of five from Alberta. Part of uh, our conversation will uh, be about, you know, next year in the BCHL. It's going to have to be some uh, realignment, isn't there? But we'll talk to Brian about that and a lot more to wrap things up. But we will start by turning on the 2024 draft spotlight. And as I mentioned, Zane Perek, definitely a first-round pick, potentially a top-ten pick. He starts things off next you're listening to the pipeline show brought to you by will beef jerky and after to see you on the
2: one-timer fired it off the end boards here's Ecklad again takes the shot scores! a
1: four goal night for Aaron eklad
0: hi it's Aaron eklad from the barry colts and you're listening to the pipeline show Buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here.
1: Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her.
0: Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Wilhawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Wilhawk beef jerky, because you don't win friends with salad. Wilhawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey,
4: everybody. An old man's talking.
3: Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, and we are going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight and get to know another player that's eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. We're going to do that three times in this week's episode. A reminder, though, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. It's Alberta's best. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations unfortunately for my next guest, uh, he's too far away. You can get it shipped anywhere in Western Canada, but not to Saginaw, Michigan, as I'm pleased to be joined. I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for uh, a few months now. Uh, Zane Perak of the Saginaw Spirit, my guest. Uh, Zane, welcome to the program. How are you?
2: Um, good night Thanks for uh, bringing me on.
3: Well, I appreciate you making time, Like as I mentioned before we started recording. I, I have to think you're getting uh, swamped with interview requests. You are having a an absolute monster year. Everybody has you ranked as a first-round pick. Most people have you in the top 15 or top 10. Uh, this has been a huge year for yourself.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been fun. I mean, um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of getting used to it now, and um, <laughs> it's been a good year for me and, and the team. I'm, I'm having fun.
3: Well, let's talk about the team. And uh, right now, you're in a dogfight with the London Knights for top spot in the uh, not just the Western Conference, but the entire Ontario Hockey League. Uh, you're eight and two in your last 10, just coming off a, a big overtime victory. And you scored the OT goal. Sick goal, by the way. I just saw the clip of that, uh, <laughs> earlier really? today. It's the, the play of the week, uh, for the CHL. Everything right now is exciting. You got the Memorial Cup coming up, uh, in a few months as well. I mean, it's just a huge year, but what's the, the, the mood like in the dressing room right now?
2: Oh, it's, it's good. Uh, I mean, we got a good group. We're, we're tough on each other for sure. And, and we expect a lot of ourselves, but um, you know, I think we're in a good spot right now, especially coming off a win like that, where um, we dominated most of the play, and, and you know, I think it's only up from here.
3: The start of the season was a little bit different. I, th- I think it was a bit of a sluggish start for the Spirit uh, at the beginning of the year. Teams made a lot of changes over the course of the season, as most Memorial Cup host teams do. Uh, what's changed for for the club?
2: You know, it, it, it was a tough little stretch there. I think we started um, four and eight maybe, but uh, I don't know. I, I think it was just one of those things where where we started really slow and and it took us a little bit to find our identity there. And um, I mean, we I think we're starting to come into that now and, and
0: um,
2: teams are starting to understand that we're, we're a tough team to play against and, uh, and that we're the right team to, to host in the World Cup.
3: I love it when a player brings up team identity. I'm going to ask you, what is the team identity of this club? You mentioned tough to play against. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're I think we're a tough team to play against. I mean, um, we we in our, in our identity, we, we want to play fast and uh, have a lot of possession entries and um, make a lot of plays. Like we're not a simple team where we're off the glass and out. Like we as a group want to make plays and we have the skill to do that and. Um, it it benefits you as a player for sure and and definitely your development but uh, it's it's been great for this team.
3: For yourself Zane uh, 37 points last year as a rookie in the OHL, you had 21 goals. I mean those are really impressive numbers Uh, but you've got 28 goals and 81 points and you've only got 55 games under your belt. we still got 2 or 3 weeks left in the regular season to go. Be honest are you surprised at the numbers that you're putting up this year? Honestly not really. Um, (laughs) You know I I, I set challenges for myself at the start
2: of the season and um even last season I, I kind of set a set a goal for myself and I guess I overachieved a little bit, but um I got high expectations for myself and I got a great support staff and looking staff around me and, and a great team around me so it makes it super easy.
3: I'm curious if your defensive partner has been the same guy all season, uh, because we mentioned there's been a number of changes to the roster over the course of the year um so has that changed up a lot or or have you been with the same person
2: yeah it, it's been weird i mean last year i was with the same person the entire year which was Mitchell Smith, and this year it's been kind of different where um he moved on and um you know i'm trying to gel with someone new and and i've had a couple of different new partners to be honest with you um so kind of finding what works and uh getting to play with everyone's been fun but um i mean last game i played with denizio and and i thought we played well together and before that i was playing with Hashe, um and and i think we do a good job together so um i think we're pretty versatile in that area where uh, as a d core as a whole like n- no one has a problem with playing with another guy and mm-hmm. if we make a switch it, it's easy to adjust
3: yeah veteran team now you got guys who've been around and played with a lot of different players for sure. Uh, without naming a name, is there a style of defenseman on your team that fits best with you? Like to, to go with your game where the two of you just work really well to each other. Yeah, I think last year I found
2: that. And, um, I mean, just, just someone that, that wants to make plays for sure and, and is, is hard in their own end. I mean, um, somewhere where I need a little more help and, and I guess Hashtag is a really good partner for, for that. And, um, but I, I like to play with the puck and and play possession hockey. Like I, I don't like going off the glass a lot, so I'm right. on that table to do that.
3: Zane Perek is my guest, defenseman with the Saginaw Spirit. Uh, Zane, the this show, the Pipeline Show, it's a junior and college hockey show. So my regular audience, gotcha. many of them will know about you already. They'll follow the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who might tune into this segment specifically because you're such a, a highly touted guy for the NHL draft those people, they might not care about junior hockey at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can't assume they know about you at this point. So maybe for that portion of the audience, let's start at the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? What do you call hometown?
2: Hometown uh, hometown's Nobleton, Ontario for me. Um, grew up there my whole life pretty much now and um, spend all
3: my summers there. Uh, when did you start playing hockey? Do you remember how old you were? I started
2: skating like Around um, two, two and a half. Wow. And then um, probably got into organized hockey around four or five and and went from there.
3: Okay. Who got you into hockey at such a young age?
2: My dad. My dad, uh, I guess he, he fell in love with it just watching. Uh, he never played, but it's kind of one of those sports where you could play all year round. And mm-hmm. um, he was big on that, and, and he pushed me into it.
3: Have you always been a defenseman, Zane, or did you try forward at, at some point, or heck, even throw the pads on?
2: You know, I, I've always been a defenseman. Um, ever since I was young, I mean, um, I played like a couple tournaments for fun on forward uh, when I was young, but but no more than maybe ten games or so I've played forward. So um, my whole life I've, I've been a defenseman.
0: There.
3: What is it about the blue line that 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 feels like the right fit for you? Is it something about always seeing the game in front of you and and things like that? Other defensemen have said that to me, but uh, what is it for you?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think you just put it put it right there, and I mean. Um, especially when I'm in the offensive zone, I get to see the whole the whole life. And um, there's more distance between me and my winger than there would be um, a forward and his defenseman on him. So mm-hmm. I think it's just easier to play the game from the point there.
3: Now, a lot of guys will tell me maybe when they were seven or eight, their minor hockey league team didn't have a full-time goaltender. So everybody had to take a turn uh, in that. Did you have a night like that at all to, or an experience like that?
2: You know, I I always wanted to, especially when I was, like, five or six. um, But I think I was too shy to to do it and and a little scared of what might happen. So I never got in it.
3: Oh, well, maybe at practice one day you can convince your guy to uh, trade positions with you or something like (laughs) that. Um, A lot of guys have played in the Brick Invitational. That's a Pee Wee tournament here in Edmonton at at West Edmonton Mall. Uh, You got to do it twice by uh, the looks of it. (laughs) What do you remember from from those days? I mean, you're not that old, so I mean this is what I don't know seven, eight years ago, something like that yeah what, what do you remember from it?
2: Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, that mall in general is crazy. They got everything there, so um, kind of the experience of staying there was awesome and, and the the level of play play was super cool. I mean I got to play it twice, so um, I got to experience it two times over and and mm-hmm. uh, it's a super cool tournament for young
3: guys. Yeah, for people who don't know, I mean, you're playing inside of a shopping mall, but it's like a domed <laughs> roof, a glass roof, and, and the sunlight's beating in, it's in the summer, and there's yeah, tons, really tons really of nice. people just kind of standing around the rink and, and two levels uh, looking down at you. It's a, it's a pretty unique environment for sure. How'd your team do?
2: Um, So the first year I played with the 05, we won it all. Um, I forget who we beat in the finals. It might have been Team Alberta or, or something along that line. But uh, and then in the second year... I think we lost in the semifinals there. It would have been nice to go back-to-back, but I did not end up
3: happening. Zane Parekh is my guest, a defenseman with the Saginaw Spirit. Um, take me back to the OHL uh, priority draft. Uh, and uh, You didn't have to wait long to hear your name called, but you were 19th the, uh, player taken in the first round. Uh, How would you feel about that? Did you expect to go earlier? Is that about where you thought you'd go, or was that a surprise that you were in the first round? You know, it's,
2: it's different. It's weird with the OHL draft because you kind of... Um, leading up you kind of know where you might end up and um you know I thought I during the season I might have went higher than I did but um I mean it worked out perfectly because I wanted to be in Saginaw and that was a top destination for me and um I was super happy and and I remember on draft day hearing my name called was was um super cool and getting to talk to the GM and, and their coach there so Uh, It was a great experience all in all.
3: All right, I have to ask you, why was Saginaw your preferred destination? I mean, some people would hear you say that and say, well, he's just, that's lip service because that's where he is. But is that serious? Like, why was Saginaw the place you wanted to go?
2: Yeah, it it was. And you can ask the guys around me and and they'll tell you the same story. Like, um, you know, I had a meeting with Dave Drinkle and and Brian Proud and then Greg Hamill, who's the head scout. And we, we had a Zoom call, like, Probably two months before the draft, and I, and they kind of really sold the idea of being a spirit, I guess, and and coming to play here for my my junior career, and um, just kind of the things they talked about how they like to activate their D in the rush, and and they like to make plays, and um, I know Fetts played here for Freddie, and and he did really well, so um, on draft day there, um, when I found out that it might. End up being the street. I was, I was pumped. Like, and it, when it happened, I, I was even happier.
3: Yeah. Cole Perfetti was on the show in his draft year and some of the guys before that, Brandon Saad, whose number I just saw was retired by the spirit last weekend. That's, uh, that's yeah. pretty cool to, to see a guy in the NHL who, you know, when he was your age, in exact same shoes or skates that you're in right now. That's, as a player, that's probably pretty neat.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Um, kind of just seeing the, the players that have come through there here and, I mean, everyone I talk to, like, um, they they call this their number one spot, and they wouldn't trade it for any any other situation. And and the guys that've been traded here, like, they love it, and and they wish they played their whole junior careers here. So, um, it's a special place, and they turn young men into into pros.
3: Sandy, so, I got to ask you about the NHL draft, and if uh, if it's something that you spend a whole lot of time thinking about. I mean, it's a big year for yourself. I'm sure you're trying to enjoy it as much as you possibly can can't avoid seeing all the uh, the the guys in the black pants and the black uh, coats with the clipboards uh, in in the stands i'm sure do you spend much time thinking about the draft a lot of players tell me they don't uh because they don't want to be distracted by it but there are other guys who tell me they they google their name to see who's got them ranked where and they use that as motivation uh, what about for you
2: yeah for sure i mean uh it's if- I I feel like some of those guys might be lying to you there. And um, I mean, you're a kid, so it's tough not to see some of the stuff you do. And a hundred percent, it's a, it's a way to kind of motivate yourself. And I mean, I think it's, sometimes it can be distracting too. And, and, you know, um, at the start of the season, I definitely looked at it a little too much and, and maybe the past two months I really haven't thought too much of it. So um, it's kind of been normal to me now and, and I guess when you're going through it at first, you you don't understand like how much it can really distract you. And and um, But now it's really normal to me, and I, and I rarely check kind of what's going on.
3: Well, you know everybody has you ranked in the first round. You got to play in the Holinka-Gretzky Cup, and that, that always means, or usually means, you're going to get drafted uh, fairly early in the draft. So getting drafted is not a question. There's no pressure in that regard. But who drafts you and, and what point of the draft? That's still up for grabs. Does it matter to you, or I mean, are you one of those guys who wants to be number one overall, if possible? Uh, or is it more about, you know, what you get drafted? That's great, but then the real work starts.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it would be super cool if I could go first overall, but you know, it, it's probably not the most realistic thing for me. But, right. Um, for me, it, it doesn't really matter what pick I am, and and even if it's later and and where I'm projected, then it, it won't matter. It's like. You kind of for me, it's just finding a team that, that really wants you and really likes the way you play. And, and at the end of the day, you're 15 years down the line, you're not going to be looking at what draft pick you were, but kind of the career you had and, and maybe the accomplishments along the way. So, um, the real work really starts after you get drafted.
3: Well said. I mentioned those casual NHL fans who might be listening right now that have never seen you play. But while I have you, can you give us a self scouting report because we can look at the numbers and they're ridiculously good. But stats don't always tell the whole story. So, how do you describe yourself as a player?
2: Yeah, for sure. I think I'm a dynamic defenseman, and and uh, some of that loves to play with the puck and and really takes pride in in making players around them better. And and you know, it, it I think a couple strong points for me is just kind of the way I think the game and how I see it. And and um, you know, I, I think I do a good job of finding lanes and passes and but for me it's just kind of trying to make the guys around me better
3: the sheet that i'm looking at lists you at six foot and 181 pounds i don't know if that was at the start of the season or if that's really up to date uh what are you at right now
2: uh same height um a couple pounds down kind of around the 178 area there um but looking to put on some more weight this summer
3: yeah, well, that'll come naturally anyway. By the time you're 23, you, you might be 200 pounds. Who knows? But do you think you've topped out height-wise? I mean, you, maybe you're, maybe you'll still get to six-two or something. But probably at this age, you're not going to be like suddenly six-five.
2: I'd hope I have another inch, but it, it's one of those things where um, it's tough to tell. And and uh, I, I couldn't really tell you if I'm going to keep growing or not. But I, I'd I'd love to keep growing.
3: Well, for the style of the game that you played, this is kind of the right size, isn't it?
2: Yeah, for sure. Maybe another inch would be perfect, and um, but you know, I, I like to be quick and and deceptive. So, um, I, I guess you're you're right there, and and it's a good height for me.
3: Well, what do you like to do away from hockey, Zane, in the off season when you're not training specifically for hockey? What do you What do you do just to unwind and relax?
2: Yeah, I I love spending time with my family. Um, but you know, I, I'm a really big golfer. Um, love to golf, and I. <laughs> I know that's kind of what every hockey player is doing now, but um, I I think it's just a good way to kind of spend time with your family and friends and um, get away from all the distractions and maybe even get off your phone for four or five hours. So yeah, it's been perfect for me.
3: Do you have a big family? Uh,
2: You know, yeah, I, I I got two brothers and um, uh, my dad has, I think five siblings there and my mom has another sibling on her side. So, Pretty big extended family.
3: Wow. Your brothers play too? hmm
2: Yep. Oldest brother's playing at Utica, like Utica University. And then okay. my middle brother's committed to the Missouri State, so he's going to go play in Minnesota next year.
3: Oh, interesting. Had you, Was playing college hockey uh, at one point intriguing to you? Like, did you consider going the NCAA route as well?
2: Yeah, it was definitely in the back of my mind. And um, something I, I looked at and... I uh, ultimately came to want to play in the OHL just because of the kind of you get more games in and, and instead of playing 30 games, you're playing probably close to 80. Yeah. So, um, uh, it's just kind of a lot different for your development.
3: Uh, even more games with playoffs, and when you're hosting the Memorial Cup, you could get closer to, to 100 games uh, when it's all said and done this year. Exactly. Um, before I let you go, i got to ask you about the Memorial Cup and what that experience is. I imagine you're all looking forward to it. I'm sure the city of Saginaw is embracing it, or will be by the time it rolls around. What's going to stand out the most about it for you? What are you looking forward to the most?
2: Um, I think the thing I'm looking forward to most is kind of uh, I guess playing the other leagues and playing those different teams, but you know, I don't think about it too often and, and, um, sometimes I wish, I mean, not to sound, um, I guess I'm grateful, but, you know, I, I I'd rather go through the front door and win the OHL championship than, than be just the host and losing maybe the first or second round there. So, uh, really eyeing up these playoffs as we go down the stretch and kind of just thinking about how to, Put
3: we one together here. Well, OHL playoffs are going to be exciting. the The Western Conference really tight at the top. Uh, it's not going to be an easy path, that's for sure. Uh, Zane, listen, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much uh, for um, being available for the Pipeline Show. Really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, best of luck uh, to you in the spirit for the rest of the way, and whatever happens at the draft. I hope we can chat again one day.
2: No problem. Have a nice day.
3: There's Zane Perek of the Saginaw Spirit, who is, uh, as I mentioned at the start, just having a monster season uh, for the Saginaw Spirit. Everybody has him ranked as a first-rounder, no question about that. It's just a matter of when in the first round he's going to hear his name. Some people have him in that 10 to 20 area. Some people have him in the top 10. What about you? Let me know on the old Twitter machine at TPS underscore Gee. A big shout-out to uh, Dylan Clark, the uh, voice and communications guy for the Saginaw Spirit, uh, for putting that interview together. I really appreciate that, Dylan. Great call, by the way, on the overtime winner uh, that uh, Zane Parekh scored a couple of games ago. You know those promos that I uh, put together of the guys hey, it's Zane Parekh of the Saginaw Spirit. This is the Pipeline Show. Did that with Zane, and uh, we'll definitely be using that clip uh, for that promo. Next up, we're going to keep the spotlight turned on the draft spotlight, and uh, we're going to shine it towards the Chicago Steel. Another Canadian, another Ontarian. This time, it's Michael Hage, who's having a strong season for the Chicago Steel. We'll get to know him next. You're listening to the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky.
0: Adam Fantilli spins a pass though. Samuel Scavage up tie scores the stingray in overtime up high pierces one by corby and chicago wins a thriller four to three mackie samoskevich welcome back stingray
2: hey this is mackie samoskevich from the chicago steel and this is the pipeline show
0: passion talent development NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegers. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Jake Gensel banks Gensel. it towards the goal. He scores. Gail McCarr. Gail McCarr. McCarr. He scores. Stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh, my goodness gracious man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with.
3: If one of y'all
4: says some silly ass name, this whole class is gonna feel my wrath.
0: Gee, flaming.
3: Back on the program as we continue with the 2024 draft spotlight segments and uh, get to know yet another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And for this segment, we are uh, dipping south of the border. And if you're listening in the states, I'm not going to Mexico. Uh, we are going to Chicago where Michael Hage from the Chicago Steel is my guest. Um, Michael, how are things?
4: Good, good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh,
3: I'm good, and I'm glad to hear that you're good, because for the listener's benefit, this show will basically come out on Friday for most people. Subscribers will get it right away. But there's a tornado in the Chicago area tonight, and we postponed this by a few hours uh, around that. I appreciate you doing that, first off. But more importantly, how's things there right now?
4: Good, good. We're we're just... Uh... You know, camped it out in the basement with uh, some some of the boys, but um, no, it's all good now. I think it passed, and hopefully everyone's safe, so we're doing well.
3: You know what, I got that text from you. I, I've had guys postpone interviews, maybe because they forgot or because they you know, had a team dinner or they were going out to a movie or something. Uh, I'd never had that excuse before. Hey, we got a tornado here. I can't do an interview right now. (laughs) Top marks for uh, creativity there, buddy. Uh, That was good. Uh, Well, I'm glad to hear everything is okay. I haven't turned on the news and and looked to see if there's any wreckage or damage around uh, the city, but hopefully that everything gets back to normal. And I guess uh, with the weather, I mean, who's thinking Chicago is going to have a tornado in February? Uh, Far from normal. Yeah. But let's talk hockey. Uh, more importantly, and uh, tell me about this season for uh, for the Chicago Steel.
4: Yeah, I mean we've kind of been heating up here. We've been playing better hockey and um, winning some games. We had a, a little bit of a slow start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's to be expected with a, with a young team. And um, I think, yeah, we've just taken steps during the weeks the weeks past and just trying to get better every week. And I think we've done a good job of that. And the results have been, you know, starting to come. So that's been really nice.
3: The Steel have been one of those uh, flagship franchises for the USHL for the last decade or so. Uh, so many uh, superstar players who have gone through the program onto college and a number of now playing in the NHL. Do you find there's pressure on you guys to live up to those expectations? I mean, the roster changes every year, but the expectations might not. How do you deal with that?
4: Um, no, I don't. I don't feel like there's pressure. Obviously, everyone knows the uh, history of this organization and the players that have come through here and. I think you just try to keep the brand to as high of a standard as possible and, um, show up every day and put in the work. And, and yeah, I mean, the results, the results are kind of just a byproduct. I think the work we do during the week is, is, um, is where guys get so much better. And, um, the reason why so many guys have come through here and, and had a lot of success at the next level. Um, but no, I wouldn't say there's pressure. I can just obviously, you, you know what? The standard is really high around here And um, you just try to show up for the rink every day and, and keep it that high
3: Well, Chicago right now in the standings Sitting 6th in the Eastern Conference uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, 6 teams make the playoffs In each conference? Yeah So if they started today, you'd be in uh, But it's a tight race, you're trying to catch Madison They've got one point more than you And Cedar Rapids hot on your heels So the standings being what they are Man, you guys can't afford to take a night off uh, The, the parity in the USHL is forcing you to to bring your a game every night right
4: yeah definitely i mean we we know what the standings are and stuff um but no i think just continuing to get better during the week and um showing up every night and bringing the same intensity obviously you know at this time of the season every game is like a playoff game for us and um we, we can't afford to take any shifts off any periods off. And, um we just gotta you know find a way to to win games here down the stretch
3: and for you, Michael, on a personal basis, uh, a, a really nice season. 48 points in 40 games, and that's even better considering the circumstances with the shoulder that you've gone through uh, over the last, uh, I don't know, 10 months or whatever it's been. Uh, it really seems like you've come into your own here probably since right before Christmas or since Christmas, where the consistency in your in your in at least your offensive production is there. It's like almost every game, you're putting up points now. Do you feel a noticeable difference on the ice now than you did, say, back in October, November?
4: Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think definitely just a confidence thing not having played last year. I think the more the more games I get, obviously, the more confident I become. And I think the team playing better has, um, you know, definitely helped that, you know, we found some line combinations that have been, you know, really quick. And I think that's been a big part of it. My teammates have been doing a really good job making it easy on me. And obviously, it's nice to see the results.
3: Well, I was going to ask you about your line mates and, and I, if that has changed throughout the season. Sounds like there's been some line juggling. Who are you with right now that you're starting to really click with?
4: Uh, right now I'm playing with Mick Thompson and Charlie Major.
3: All right, so the three three guys leading the team in scoring, uh, that's often what we see and uh, what the coaches like to see when they put their three uh, uh, offensive guys together. What is it about the trio that, that clicks? How do you – their game and your game, where it just kind of comes together and works? Being
4: three guys that um, – you know our creative see the ice the same way, and uh, I think we're all pretty good skaters, which you know makes a game easy on all of us, and we all want to play a skilled game. So it's 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 just kind of reading off of each other, and it's been fun.
3: He's Michael Hage, forward with the Chicago Steel in the USHL. This is the Pipeline Show, and and Michael, for your benefit, the, this program it's a college and junior hockey show. Uh, so my regular audience will be familiar with the Steel and the USHL. They probably already know you're going to Michigan and all of those types of things. Uh, but there'll be casual NHL fans who will tune in right now because you're a key guy for the NHL draft. They might not care about junior or college hockey at all, uh, but uh, have an interest in getting to new, know you a little bit more. So for that portion of the audience, uh, let's go back to the beginning, if you don't mind. Uh, Where are you from? What do you call your hometown?
4: Yeah, I was born in Oakville, Ontario, moved to Mississauga, Ontario when I was about 10-11. And, um, yeah, I, I grew up there my whole life. Played minor hockey for the uh, Toronto Junior Canadians, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, played played a long time there. And then came straight here for my first year of juniors last year.
3: Who, who got you into hockey at a young age?
4: Ah, uh, my dad did. He, you know, took me skating when I was when I was really young, maybe like four years old, and I, I kind of just fell in love with it and never looked back. I mean, yeah.
3: Have you always been a forward, uh, Michael, or did you try other positions along the way? No yeah I've always been a forward. Um, I think
4: I definitely like you know scoring goals growing up so um, I've I've been a forward since I
3: was really young. I uh, never tried the blue line. Did you ever try the pads? Put the pads on them and uh, check out what it was like being a goaltender or no?
4: Honestly maybe a couple times in house league I, I might have thrown on the pads. as a rotation. Yep. Everyone had to play goalie once in a while so I didn't like it too much. Uh, <laughs> it's definitely it's tiring and I didn't enjoy it as much as I like players, so I I kind of let it be a one-and-done thing.
3: Yeah, it's funny. The really offensive guys who like scoring goals don't seem to like playing in net for some reason. Uh, go figure. No, definitely. Michael Hage is my guest uh, here on the Pipeline Show. I didn't plan this ahead of time, but I had a conversation with a former teammate of yours earlier today who's also draft eligible uh, about playing in the Brick Invitational Tournament. That was uh, Zane Perek, the defenseman uh, playing in in Saginaw. What what do you remember from the brick tournament? You played that year as well, I believe you led your team in scoring. Uh he was there twice. He said the first year his team won, the second year lost in the semifinals. Which which of those two years was your team?
2: Uh, we
4: were the second year. We lost in the semis that year, unfortunately, but no, it was a good group and obviously a lot of guys have turned out to be pretty good players on that team. So yeah, it's been it's been really cool to watch. And um it was just a really cool experience in general. I mean, playing in a mall with you know, the glasses that low and just a tournament you kind of watched growing up. It was just a really fun experience overall.
3: Two levels in the in West Edmonton Mall. All the fans are lined up around the glass on both levels, kind of staring down at you. It's pretty unique, isn't it?
4: Oh yeah, it's electric. I mean, as a kid, you you that's the NHL for you. It's uh, as cool as it gets for a ten-year-old playing hockey. So um, it was definitely a really fun experience for me, at least.
3: All right. Well, uh, take me to uh, how you got from Mississauga to Chicago. I know you were drafted by the Kitchener Rangers in the OHL and in the first round, pretty early in the first round, ninth overall pick uh, in 2022. But have you always known that you were headed to college?
4: Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I wasn't really sure at the start of my uh, U16 year, but um, I think once I came and skated in Chicago, I, I really enjoyed it and um, loved the way that they, they did things here. When I skated here for a week, um the way they were, you know, developing guys during the week, doing skills, working out hard. Um, and uh, I think after that week, I kind of knew that I wanted to come here. I wasn't sure if I was going to go to college or not, but, um, you know, it gave me an opportunity to keep all my options open. I I, I did that and I really enjoyed it. So, um, I, and then after that, I came here last year, looked at some schools and I, I think I you know, really like the, the atmosphere at college hockey games. Um, sure. obviously you get an education at the time. And, um, I didn't really want to go back to major junior after that.
3: What, was that a hard conversation to have with Kitchener after they draft you that high? I'm sure they expected that you were coming. Uh, maybe even to talked to you before the draft. I don't know.
4: I kind of talked to them about that. I told them I was going to Chicago before the draft for, for my first year and then I was going to see what I was going to do. And okay. they were okay with that. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously making the decision to go play college, you know, um, was I wasn't sure if that was going to be the plan or if I was going to end up back in major junior eventually, but that ended up being the uh, the end result and I mean, yeah, so but I had let them know before the draft, so.
3: Well, it makes sense and not a surprise really a Chicago Steel player going to Michigan. Uh the, the pipeline there from the Steel to the Wolverines the last few years has been pretty obvious did that have anything to do with it? Could you talk to former steel players about their experience there or was just uh, that program uh, kind of always on the, on the radar for you?
4: Yeah. I mean, you definitely hear about the guys that have been there and came through here and had success at Michigan, but no, I would say it was, it was just my decision. I think when I went to see it, it was a pretty awesome atmosphere watching a game there. I don't think there's really anything like it in college hockey. And, um, yeah, obviously it's nice knowing some guys that have been there and it's close to home. Um easy for, you know, my family to come watch me, that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. no, it definitely came down to you know, what I liked most where and where I wanted to be for, for a couple of years and and um yeah, I think that's that's the spot that I liked the most when I when looked at schools.
3: I'm looking at your bio page on Elite Prospects right now. It says you're going to Michigan in the fall of 2025. I don't know if that's accurate. If it is, where are you playing next year? Back in Chicago? No, I'm going in next year. Okay. That's what I thought. All right, perfect. Uh, before you get there next fall, then, are there things in your game right now that you know you have to really focus on to be ready for that big step up to collegiate hockey?
4: Um, I think, obviously, strength is a huge part of it. You know, You're playing against older guys and guys that have, a lot of experience in that in that league and in the NCAA and it's, it's playing against grown men. So I think just continuing to get stronger and, you know, being hard to play against, um, you know, working on my puck battles and just taking care of my own zone, obviously is is a big part of it going into a a different level of hockey. You need the trust of your coach. So um, I think just continuing to, uh, you know, work in the gym and um, work on being hard to play against on the ice will really help me when I make the jump.
3: Uh, we're going to ask you about the draft a little bit now. Uh, and anytime I get a draft eligible player on the show, I ask them how much they think about the draft because I know it's, I mean, it's circled on your calendar. You've been looking forward to this year for a long time, I'm sure. But now that it's here, do you try not to think about the draft because you don't want it to be a distraction or, I mean, there are a lot of players who tell me if that they might Google themselves to see where they're ranked by certain publications or, or scouts and they use that as motivation. What about for you?
4: um i mean i I would say I would try i try i you obviously hear about it and it's something you dream of as a kid, and um it's always been a goal of mine, but um I think for me, I try to you know stay away from that stuff and just focus on what I can control and that's that's obviously my play and um I mean during the week and on the weekends, I'm just trying to find ways to be better and um and just perform to the best of my abilities um because I mean, I don't think for me looking at certain things on online and that type of thing, is going to help me that much. So I just try to, you know, find ways to be better during the games and um, whatever happens will happen. But yeah, you definitely think about it mm-hmm. quite a bit. I mean, as a kid, you, you dream of getting drafted to the national hockey league and um, you hear about certain things and guys going through it before you hearing how, how cool of an experience it is. So, yeah, you definitely think about it, but, um, try not to let it, you know, take over your whole mind when you're playing and it's just hockey at the end of the day. So.
3: Yeah. And you said, like you said, you hear about it. I mean, everybody seems to have you ranked as a, uh, a probable first round pick at this point, but you try not to let that bother you and you, you don't want to get your head too big and you want to focus on what you can control in the here and now. Is that right?
4: Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously everyone's going to have their own opinion on you and, um, that's great, but um, at the end of the day, what I can control is, is my play on the ice during the weekends and just helping my team win, and um, that's what I try to focus on. I, I don't want it to you know, get in my head whether people have me higher or have me lower. Right. Um, you know, For me, it's all about continuing to get better because obviously it's a long ways away.
3: Uh, well, I mentioned those casual NHL fans who might be listening and who have never heard of you or never seen you play. Uh, can you give us a bit of a, sc- a self-scouting report uh, for the benefit of those people? Uh, they might they'll look up the stats, but those numbers don't always uh, paint the whole picture. So, uh, how do you describe yourself as a player?
4: Yeah, I would say I'm just a highly dynamic, um, 200-foot centerman that's really creative and and um, a smooth skater. And I'm just a guy that's, you know, trying to make everyone on the ice around me better by using my skill, my speed. And I think I'm a guy that's not afraid to make to make nice plays and creative plays so i would say that's how i describe my game at the same time being a guy that could be relied upon in any situation in a game so
3: yeah 23 goals 25 assists right now as we're speaking do you see yourself more as a shooter or the setup guy you kind of mentioned playmaking so is that does that come first for you or is that more natural
1: yeah
4: i would say i've always been kind of a more of a playmaker but you know you play with different guys and different situations some guys shoot the puck more some guys are more playmakers but I think I could definitely do both and I think I have a pretty good shot and I could finish from different areas on the ice so I, w- I would say a good mix of both honestly
3: that's nice to have uh, Michael what do you do away from hockey when you go back to Ontario in the off season and you're just trying to relax with your buddies and and get away from the game a little bit because it can't be hockey 12 months of the year what do you like to do I golf a lot in the summer
4: um I think it's a good way for me to get away from the game and just enjoy my time with some friends. And obviously when the weather's nice, it's, it's, it's really relaxing, you know, just playing some music and and golfing with uh, some of my buddies back home. And um, I mean, other than that, usually training and being in the gym during the summer, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's always nice to get on the golf course when you when I have some free time.
3: Well, whenever I get a golfer on, I have to ask them what their favorite course is and it doesn't have to be a world famous one could be your local community course, but where do you like to get out and play the most? Where you, you feel like you have the best rounds?
4: Um, for me, I would say it's Hidden Lake Golf Course it's in Burlington, just because I got I had a hole in one there, so
3: ah, that would nice. be my
4: my skip for a while.
3: Well, you must live on that one, hey? Hole in one? How how far was the hole? Par three, I'm assuming, but like uh, what how what was the distance?
4: The par three, it was like 145 yards.
3: Perfect, dialed it in. What what's that? A pitching wedge for you, probably.
4: Yeah, I hit my approach wedge. I kind of landed it a little short, but no, um, it was it was it was a pretty electric moment.
3: Do you have a good view of it where you can see it? It's you said it lands short, but then all of a sudden it just sort of drops.
4: Yeah, the tee box was kind of a little bit elevated, so we got to watch it. It, it landed. It looked like it was straight out at it the whole time. Took two bounces and dropped, and we kind of I I kind of knew it was in from from the start. And, mm-hmm. I was playing with two of my buddies, and, and they said it was in. So we had, we had a pretty good idea that it was in right away.
3: Nice. That's outstanding, man. Congrats for that. Uh, well, Michael, I really enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck to you in the Steel the rest of the way this year. Whatever happens in the draft, uh, maybe we'll get a chance to chat again one day. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you very much. As Michael Hage from the Chicago Steel. Big thank you to Calvin Bush, the uh, Director of Communications for the Steel, for uh, setting that up. Also to Mark Citron, the uh, voice of the Steel, for chipping in as well. Should have asked him what his animal name is for Michael Hage. Actually, I did catch that a while back. It was, oh, I'm trying to remember what it was now. Oh, it was the Mississauga snake. That's what it was. Mark always gives uh, a number of, well, I don't know if it's always, but it uh, gives a, a number of the Chicago Steel players an animal name. I remember Mackie Samoskevich was a stingray. I can't, I can't remember all the other ones, but that's different. Something unique there. But uh, but regardless, I really appreciate uh, Michael making time. And, oh my gosh, a tornado in Chicago in February. Who is expecting that? Glad I was able to get that interview done, but uh, holy cow. Thinking everybody that had to go through that situation there. He was telling me beforehand, like, it's been unseasonably warm in Chicago this year. Like, they're golfing and stuff recently, he said. temperatures has been in the 70s there, which, I, correct me if I'm wrong, would be around 20 degrees Celsius. But, yeah, climate change uh, is a hoax. Tornadoes in Chicago in February, totally, uh, totally normal. All right, we're going to keep the draft spotlight turned on, and uh, scheduled to join me next is a forward with the Medicine Hat Tigers out of the Western Hockey League. His name is Thomas Mersick, another guy you need to know for the upcoming draft. We'll do that next. You're listening to The Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky.
0: No sleep till!
3: Man
0: off the wall falling. That was long ago. It's uh he couldn't stop that rush on the right side. Good bird walks in, hands it up in front. Matt Sogard making a nice read there, stretching out those long legs.
2: Hey, it's Matt Sogard from the Madison Hat Tigers, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Oil Kings are Edmonton's first choice for family fun.
3: Your Edmonton Oil Kings are back in the thick of it, taking the WHL
4: by storm. And you can be right there cheering them on.
0: Great family entertainment starts at just $20 a seat or never miss a game with season seats as low as $9 per game.
4: Thrilling Western Hockey League action, amazing theme nights, and special price kids' food combos at every home game for $10 or less.
0: The entertainment value is king-sized.
4: Secure your seat for the next action-packed, exciting
3: Oil Kings home game today at oilkings.ca.
0: You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. You don't scare
3: me. I got chunks of guys like you in my stool. Hey, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. We are going to uh, continue on with the 2024 draft spotlight segments. Uh, We've had two already today. We uh, spoke with Zane Perek from the Saginaw Spirit. As well as uh, Michael Hage from the Chicago Steel in the USHL, and this time we're going to the Western Hockey League all the way down to Medicine Hat, and uh, Tomas Mersic of the uh, Medicine Hat Tigers is my guest now. Tomas, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I appreciate you making time like this. I'm doing well, uh, but my uh, my life not as exciting as yours right now. Being a draft eligible player, playing on one of the uh, top teams in the Western Hockey League, so. How would you sum up the season to this point? I mean, you're sitting at the top of the division, the central division in the WHL, but it's it's a tight race. I mean, you're getting pushed from behind. You can't afford to take a night off. What's the mood like around the dressing room?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think the uh, mood's been pretty good. I mean, past couple of years, we haven't been the greatest, but I mean, this year, I think we've had a lot of guys step up, and I think we've been a pretty resilient group during the year, even though we've had quite a bit of injuries, having some top-end guys out, but I think we've done a good job kind of just staying together and sticking with it.
3: I think you guys are a, sort of like the inspiration for a lot of teams right now. Two years ago, dead last in the league. Last year, you make the playoffs, which is an incredible bounce back from being the last place to making the playoffs. And now you're contending for the uh, the top of the division and one of the top teams in the entire league. Uh, that's a really quick turnaround. Now, the youth is being served in Medicine Hat. A lot of your top players are all youngsters like yourself. That's got to be a pretty cool feeling to know that you know if you guys are all together for the next couple of years, this is going to be a juggernaut club.
1: Yeah, I think uh, obviously we had uh, some great 20s last year that kind of led us in the right path. And I think we had a pretty kind of a younger group too, but I think we did uh, great in that. And then I think obviously coming into this year, we had a bunch of top-end guys and a little bit of uh, older group. So I think it just kind of gelled together, and I think it should be good for the future.
3: Well, for yourself, uh, last year, 23 points in 58 games uh, this year. Well, you've blown those numbers out of the water. Uh, you're a point-per-game guy, basically. 52 points in 53 games, as we're chatting right now, and 17 goals uh, along the way as well. What's changed for you? Is this just a natural progression from one year to the next, or is it more about some guys have graduated out of the league that provides more opportunity, you might be getting more ice time? Uh, what is it for you? Yeah, I think
1: obviously I think coming in last year, I don't think, don't think I was playing the best, but I think, Kind of as a 16-year-old, you grow as, uh, as the year goes on. So I think that was good for me. And then coming into this year, kind of kind of a slow start to start. I uh, wasn't playing the best. And then I think ever since around November, just kind of being, putting up more numbers and helping the team win.
3: So it's been good. Have your line mates been the same couple of guys all season, or has that changed a lot?
1: For the most part, it's kind of been the same. It's kind of been McKenna and Wiseblood, And then recently I've been with Basha and another guy. So it's been pretty uh, pretty kind of the same thing all year round
3: so many offensive weapons for the tigers especially with the forward group it really doesn't seem like i mean you could put all the names into a bag and or a hat and pull them out and you you know you're going to have some pretty good line mates uh, without naming any names i don't want to put you on the spot like that but you know considering the way you play the game what sort of line mates work best for you yeah
1: i think obviously i try to play a fast-paced game i think that's kind couple of my strengths uh using my speed uh vision and obviously i think my shot's kind of a a big weapon for me, but I think just kind of a linemate, I like uh, playmaking linemates, so I can shoot the puck, also plays with speed and has good vision, so just kind of similar to me.
3: Now, you mentioned McKenna and Wiseblad as uh, linemates, they're, they're leading the team in scoring, so it must be a lot of fun to play with a couple of guys like that too. Yeah, for sure it is. Now, you mentioned uh, some injury stuff for guys, Caden Lindstrom, a big one for your team right now, draft eligible player, everybody thinks he's probably a top 10 pick this year, that is a big loss for your club yet you haven't suffered in the standings. Is that something that the team kind of rallies around? It's like, well, there's a big void here, but we all got to chip in and, and fill that void. Is that something that's kind of brought the team together a bit?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, during the year, we've kind of had a decent amount of injuries just lingering. And I think kind of we have a pretty resilient group. I think we had a lot of guys that didn't really play at the start of the season step up. And I mean, I think it's been really good for the group and good for themselves individually. So, I mean, just overall, I think it's, it's been good for having guys step up for us
3: medicine at tigers forward Tomas Mercik, my guest here on the pipeline show, uh, Tomas, the, this program is a college and junior hockey show. I told you I do color for the oil Kings. Uh, so I know you, I know the tigers. Well, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans though, that might listen to a segment like this because you're a, a draft eligible player. They might not, uh, NHL fans might not care about junior hockey at all. So we can't assume that you're known for a large portion of the audience right now. So, for that, uh, for that reason, let's maybe get some background and, and go back to the beginning. Uh, where are you from? Where did you grow up? What do you, call your, you consider your hometown?
1: Yeah, um, I grew up in uh, around like South Surrey, B.C., kind of White Rock area. So, yeah, that's where I grew
3: up. Uh, when did you start playing hockey?
1: Uh, I started skating around when I was three years old, and then around four or five I started playing hockey,
3: so pretty quick. All right. Who got you into hockey at such a young age? Or is it just, hey, you're a Canadian and that's what we do?
1: Yeah, I think uh, both both my parents didn't really play hockey; they were more soccer players. So growing up, I played both. I played hockey and soccer, and then uh, about around when I was maybe ten years old, had to had to choose hockey over soccer. So yeah.
3: Do they share any similarities in terms of I don't know your mindset or your skill set? Um, you know, they're obviously one's played on ice, ones ones not. But are there aspects of each sport that kind of go together?
1: Yeah, I think obviously they're kind of pretty pretty different sports, but I mean, in the end, it's just one mindset, one goal. You just want to win, so I think they're pretty similar.
3: Have you always been a forward, uh, Tomas, or did you try other positions along the way?
1: Yeah, I've always been a forward kind of growing up. I was always a centerman, and then once I came into the Western Hockey League last year and this year, uh, I think I'd be more of a winger, but kind of a little bit of center too, so I think it's good being a little versatile like
3: that. You're a left shot, so if you're on the wing, are you playing the left side?
1: Um, I've been playing more the right side this year. I kind of enjoy it, I don't know why, but
3: Yeah, some guys like being on their off wing. Uh I don't know if that, yeah. if it changes uh, I don't know for breakouts or in the offensive zone it does it matter?
1: Really? I don't know. It's kind of it's a bit different. I think when I'm on the boards on the right wing, I like to pick it up on my forehand and come to the middle and also once we're like going um, on the breakout, going into uh, offensive zone, I kind of like being on that right wing, kind of for that one time shot. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of in me.
3: I know uh, a lot of guys that I have on the show tell me maybe when they're six or seven or eight, their their minor hockey league team didn't have a full time goaltender, so everybody was expected to you know put the pads on, take your turn in net. Did you have a game like that?
1: Yeah, I actually did. I think, maybe I think I was around
3: six. I played my first game as a goalie and. Only
1: played one game, haven't done it since. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty fun moment.
3: How'd it go? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I think we won, but I think I let in like a couple of goals. One five, well, I
3: remember for sure, but it was fun. But you knew right away that it wasn't the position for you.
1: Yeah, no, definitely not.
3: Uh, let's go back to the uh, the band draft and what that day was like for you, because I know a lot of guys are maybe at school and and following along on their phones. Other guys are allowed to stay home and take it in kind of with their parents. Uh, now the uh i think it was the 2021 draft for you that was a covid year right that was in december so it was a little bit different that year what was draft day like for you
1: yeah i mean uh i think kind of it was just a normal day at the delta hockey academy got up early um we had we had a practice as the first round was going so i think we had a lot of guys on our team i think we had four first round picks that year so we're on the ice practicing and uh once we got off the ice, kind of found out, and I think it was pretty cool because we were all at the
3: rink too, and
1: I mean, after that, going to school too, but I think it was just, mm-hmm. a, just a normal day, and then once I got home, kind of celebrated with my family.
3: Nice experience to be able to share that with with teammates who were also getting drafted, guys like Jordan Gavin and Miguel Marcus and, and Caden Lindstrom, who we talked about. I mean, that was that was a pretty strong team that you had that year, but uh, to be able to share that with somebody is pretty pretty cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it was a pretty special kind of, later draft to the COVID year, but I mean, I think kind of benefited most of us having that kind of another four months of play with each other, I think kind of really yeah. benefit us to go higher in that draft, so it was good.
3: Think of your first time uh, getting to meet like Willie Desjardins and getting to Medicine Hat after seeing that it was Medicine Hat that drafts you. I don't know what your initial thoughts were, uh, that you'd be leaving the province and all of that, but uh, getting to Medicine Hat, what was that first experience like? Yeah,
1: I think obviously before the draft Madison hat was kinda kinda one of the teams I was leaning for. So I was pretty excited when I got drafted by them and I mean uh right after I got drafted it really really called me. So that was that was pretty cool having an NHL former NHL coach call you like that and then Obviously, getting a medicine Hat, meeting all the guys, meeting Willie, and great coaching staff we have here. So it's a pretty special moment.
3: He he can be a little intimidating for some people, at least for media and stuff. And he's got you know a pretty solid resume, NHL coach, all that history with the Tigers as well. Was it a little intimidating meeting him at first as well?
1: Uh, not really. No, I think I think he's a pretty nice guy. So I mean, wasn't really intimidated.
3: All right, well, how has your, your game evolved here over the last uh, couple of seasons? And You know, you got 10 games with the Tigers that first year, and I imagine dipping your toe into the WHL water was uh, a nice experience getting you ready for your first full rookie season. Did it help you a lot?
1: Yeah, those 10 games were really good, kind of getting used to the league. And, I mean, while that was in that U-17 year, getting called up some of the times was pretty cool. I mean, seeing what seeing what guys do in the Western League and, I mean, kind of adapting to that. So I think that was a good 10 games for myself.
3: When I get guys on the show that are draft eligible, a lot of them will tell me they don't want to think about the draft during the course of a season. They, they don't want to be distracted by it. Uh, there are other guys who tell me that they want to know who's got them ranked at where and they use that as motivation. They might even Google themselves to see what other people are thinking. Uh, what about you? Uh, how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, kind of for me – Try not to look at the draft that much. I think just I think I just like to take it day by day. Just work as hard as I can. Just trying to get that one percent better every day and just build off myself every day. Just try not to look ahead of the future. Just kind of try to stay in the present for myself.
3: For those casual NHL fans I referenced before, can you give us a self-scouting report uh, for the for people who have never watched you play? Uh, what would they or what should they expect if they tune in to watch the Tigers?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I'm a fast kind of fast skating center and winger i can shoot the puck pretty well have pretty good vision like to make plays in the offensive zone i think breaking puck so it's pretty good too and i think uh, i've been working on my physicality so that's pretty good
3: i know you played in the u17 last year for canada what is that experience like representing your country
1: yeah i think it's obviously pretty special representing canada i mean <clears throat> you grow up kind of watching the world juniors and stuff like that so that just kind of leads you into that path of getting to getting into that spot one day
3: as a uh, Lower Mainland BC guy, were the Canucks your team growing up, or were you cheering for somebody else behind enemy lines there uh, in the Vancouver area?
1: Uh, yeah, Canucks are definitely definitely my team. Being from Vancouver, and uh, my grandparents had season tickets, so we attended quite a bit of games. So I think that was pretty cool having season tickets.
3: Any uh, particular player that was uh, like your that your guy when you were a kid growing up? Yeah, I think. Growing
1: up, kind of the Sedins were pretty cool to watch. So sure. going to watch them every game was uh, pretty special.
3: Yeah, uh, pretty easy to like the Sedins. Uh, uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, away from hockey, uh, Tomas, what do you like to do uh, in the summer when you're not training or working out or practicing already for hockey? What do you do to kind of unwind?
1: Yeah, I think uh, golf's obviously a big one for hockey players. Kind of really interested in that. I like to golf kind of every day. I think um, other things I like to do is like play ping pong pretty interested in that. So I think also soccer, kind of come from a soccer background, so I think just soccer in the backyard is pretty, pretty fun sometimes.
3: I had a friend of yours on the show earlier this year uh, who plays for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. I mentioned him uh, briefly a second ago in Miguel Marcus. He, t- he tells me that he, he lives with you guys in the offseason. It's pretty it's interesting from the outside looking in. I know guys around the league are, are buddies, but you play on arch-rival teams like Madison Hat and Lethbridge. There's a lot of hatred between those clubs historically. Uh, it must be really fun to uh, line up against a buddy like that in a game like that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, in the U17 year, kind of he he lived with me during that year, and then ever since that, he comes comes back and lives with my family in the summer, trains uh, trains in Vancouver there. So I mean, I think it's pretty cool having a buddy pretty close to you like this, and I mean, especially on a rival team playing against them, just battling every night, just on the ice, but I think off the ice or pretty tight buddies so it's cool to have a friend like that
3: well and just looking at, at what the standings are like in the whl it's not ridiculous to think that it could be medicine hat and lethbridge meeting each other in the first round of the playoffs that'd be pretty awesome
1: yeah yeah i think uh, on this side i think it's pretty tight with where we sit swift current and all those all those other teams so i think it sh- should be pretty cool to see what happens during the next couple weeks
3: well tomas I, I really appreciate your time i enjoyed the conversation Uh, Best of luck to you and the Tigers, uh, whatever happens to the draft. uh, Maybe we'll chat again one day.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on the show.
3: That was Tomas Mersic from the Medicine Hat Tigers. I think he's ranked late second, early third round by NHL Central Scouting, somewhere around that mark, but uh, putting up some pretty nice numbers. He's got a lot of talent around him, but, uh, man, there was a game earlier this year against the Oil Kings where he uh, pretty much single-handedly on the score sheet really took it. To Edmonton in that game. Shifty player, speedy, like he said, lots to like. We'll see where he goes on draft day. Of course, he joined me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The program, though, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can't win friends with salad. Get out to Leduc, Spruce Grove, or West Edmonton Mall and pick up some delicious Wilhock Beef Jerky, or you can have it shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada by going to Willhockbeefjerky.com. One more segment to go on this week's episode. Brian Weeb from BCHL Network is going to join me next. We'll get the latest from the now 22-team league. You're listening to The Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willhock Beef Jerky. Hey,
2: it's Tyson Jost from the Pentecton Vs.
1: Jost racing back at center by himself. End-to-end, end. shooting, scores!
3: Tyson Jost yeah. does not hit.
2: You're
1: listening to the Pipeline Show.
0: Trevor is lonely. Yeah. So Trevor threw a big party and served salad. Nobody came. Mike is also lonely. Yeah, it sucks, man. So Mike threw a big party and served Will Hawk beef jerky. Go, Will Hawk! Go, Will Hawk. Everybody Go, Will came! Hawk. Go, Will Will Hawk Beef Jerky, because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc's, Bruce Grove, and West Edmondson Mall. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming.
1: Make it better. Turn up the good. Turn down the suck.
3: Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. We're going to talk uh, BCHL in this segment. Is uh, happy to have Brian Weep from BCHL Network uh, back on the program. Brian, how are things for you these days?
0: Doing well, gee. Thanks so much for having me on the show again.
3: I appreciate you making time. And
0: uh, we kind of joked before we
3: started. I, I figured you'd be almost uh, a third busier than usual because uh, the BCHL has expanded up to what twenty two teams now. It's uh, it's getting pretty big.
0: <laughs> yeah, what do you know? Jump from uh, 17 to, to 22 after losing Wenatchee last off season. That's right. uh, five teams from five teams from Alberta just jump in, and it's uh, it's one of those things that you know when you're a, when you're not sanctioned by Hockey Canada or BC or BC Hockey, you can make these decisions independently as as your own league, which the BCHL did.
3: Yeah, I, I know. We, I've had guests on over the last month or two or a month and a half uh, to talk about this whole transition, that the teams leaving and what happened and all that. Uh, so we don't have to go over all of it again, but what was your initial re- reaction to how it all started to play out at the beginning and um, what did you make of the way it all kind of transpired?
0: Well, I think it ended up being just a, a unfortunate circumstance in the fact that you know the plans were there for these five teams to join the BC Hockey League this coming September and uh, that got leaked out uh, after the league's board of governors meetings around the All Star weekend uh, in Penticton, and I think that the BCHL acknowledged it like that exactly that Saturday. They put out a statement that said, "Yeah, you know what? These five teams." And I think that was a matter of uh, you know the leaks out there. Let's not let rumors spread like wildfire when, in fact, it wasn't a rumor at all. And so the BCHL kind of got ahead of the story, threw cold water on that. And then we saw the way that the Alberta Junior Hockey League reacted and, you know, where these teams weren't allowed to play. They right. were only playing each other and all that kind of stuff. And then I think that um, at, at one point, and, and I could be wrong on this one, but at one point the teams weren't playing at all. Mm-hmm. And so I think the teams reached out to the BCHL or the BCHL reached out, whichever. I mean, they had already had conversations, given that they were joining the league, you know, this, for 24-25. For and I think that it was just like, you know, do you want to get these players on the ice? And the player and the team said yes and so the BCHL said all right are you willing to leave the Alberta Junior Hockey League immediately and clearly the teams said yes uh,
3: now we've got an Alberta division just those five teams playing against each other right now I go to the BCHL's website I can't actually see any standings for those five teams
0: you can actually so oh, uh, on the league website if you click on stand yeah if you click on standings um, it defaults to the 2324 regular season standings for the seventeen BCHL team. And then, if you click the drop down to change the season, there's actually a 23-24 regular season bracket AB, and that's where you can see the the five Alberta teams and and their standings. So you can see that you know at, at this exact moment, Okotoks is two and six, yeah. and Brooks is eight and one uh, to to look at the first place team and the fifth place team.
3: All right, thank you. I appreciate the, you holding my hand and walking me through that. I appreciate it.
0: You're very welcome. I've been looking myself. So yeah.
3: Well, now anybody else who was in the same boat I am uh, was in, uh, now they can find the standings <laughs> as well. So, appreciate that. Um, I noticed that the team logos aren't yet up at the top for the, the league's website. I know you have them on yours. I was wondering if that might have been like a trademark thing or did they have to kind of, uh, is there some uh, behind the scenes legalities uh, before they can officially do that? seems seems like it should already be happened. But
0: well, I mean, as someone that's worked with the hockey tech platform with websites in the past, that's a design thing that isn't as easy to get changed um, as it would be something with the standings where you just put in the teams and whatnot. Um, Now, that being said, it's not impossible. But I would think that maybe there's a redesign coming in the off season or something like that. I mean, that is the big question is, is you know, who owns the rights to, to logos and mm-hmm. team names when it comes down to it? Is, I mean, are those owned by the Alberta Junior Hockey League? I don't know. And, and you would think that if they were, those five teams, you know, the fact that the BCHL, um, you know, the Brook, that Brooks and Sherwood Park and Black Falls and Spruce Grove and Okotoks are, are using them and they're on the BCHL website, that there would be some lawyers involved. I would think. Um, I I honestly don't know to tell you the truth.
3: Yeah, I don't either. And uh, maybe it's just as simple as well. And if it's logos, then maybe it's uh, names as well. And maybe we end up seeing the Brooks Banditos or something just to change the name (laughs) slightly for next season. I have no idea, but I'm sure there's a little workarounds uh, that can be done. What What does the uh, dynamic of of having these five teams based in Alberta do for next season? I I know you've got a story up already. Uh, Well. since january about realignment for next year how's that breaking down
0: yeah so i mean the the league will have to realign in some way shape or form um and figure out what travel will look like for those teams from alberta into british columbia and vice versa for the teams from from bc and and the league hasn't given an indication on on how that's going to shake down i mean i have some theories myself um, but in terms of the uh, the alignment and whether or not the names end up, you know, whether it ends up being Alberta Division or East Division or something like that, is is sort of what I think might happen. Um, and I mean, the biggest uh, thing that I suspect will happen is that the Cranbrook Bucks will relocate from the Interior Division uh, to the Alberta Division and and or whatever that title is called, right. um, because it, it, it's the only team right now outside of the Alberta teams that play in that Mountain Time Zone. Mm-hmm and so I think that it might just be a natural fit that you've got all the all the teams that that are in the mountain Times zone all six of them would play in the same division and then the other ones would be in BC um, what it would make a, a change to though is right now the BCHL is aside from the Alberta teams is two conferences and the idea here is that it would go back to a a, a division format in terms of those conferences so Uh, the teams that are on the the mainland of British Columbia um, would would end up being in a division and plus Prince George, which is kind of weird, but um, there's a precedent there. Prince George has been in that mainland division before, uh, which again, the name aside is, is a bit strange, but Prince George is an outlier in its own right, regardless. Like it's far from the other interior teams uh, as well. And then you've got the teams that are on the Island and, Again, geographically, Powell River's not on Vancouver Island, but it's on the Sunshine Coast, and so that kind of fits too. So you could have a five-team island division, a a five-team mainland division, a six-team interior division, and then a six-team Alberta division, and it would kind of work out.
3: I remember when Cranbrook was in the Western Hockey League, and they played in the Central Division uh, with the Alberta teams for the same reason that you talked about with the time zone. So that makes a lot of sense. Do you see uh, a situation uh, where... Uh, There's every team is playing in every other team's building or do you see like, is there, will the mainland division teams and the island division teams, will we see them in Alberta or do they kind of alternate from year to year like we see in the, in the WHL?
0: I I think that there's a precedent there with, with the Western Hockey League and the fact that that could happen uh, wouldn't surprise me at at all. Um, And then, you know, if they end up meeting in a, in a playoffs or or something like that, then they would deal with it that at the time. Um, especially if we ended up with like you know a Power River Kings versus Brooks Bandit wow. series, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that, like because that's the uh, that's you know an outlier, or or even Prince George for that matter. So I think that that could be the case. Um, and I think that maybe what this is where the Alberta the distance there is something that really does present a challenge because I'm not so sure that they would want to do a, a season schedule like in the BCHL. The schedule is 58 games. And so I'm not sure that they would want to do a schedule where they would have one game in, you know, like let's let's just use Brooks, for example, um, one, one game where Brooks hosts the Penticton Vs and then one game where Brooks goes to Penticton. Now, that could easily be done given the proximity of the teams in the Okanagan, same thing on the island and in the mainland, but is there that travel cost that makes it like the BCHL wants to be a, a, a non-player fee league right. by 2025. And so I'm not sure how you are able to foot the bill for those types of travel costs, um, with, without having, like with only having sponsorship money coming in, um, you know, transactions from, from, from player trades, um, and, or cash coming from player trades. And then, you know, the bill being just fronted by, attendance at your games and your ownership like i'm not sure there's enough money there to go around to cover that type of travel expense so I, I suspect what you're saying is is likely to happen uh where the alberta teams will come into bc especially the further west divisions yeah probably only once every two years
3: yeah that makes sense all right uh brian weeb is my guest uh, from bchl uh network covering the uh, british columbia hockey league and uh, now the ever-expanding bchl uh, before we started recording, I was we were having a brief chat about um, th- there's a rumor out here that I've heard at least that there's a new facility that has been built uh, by the owners of the uh, Spruce Grove Saints. Uh, it's just south of Edmonton. Spruce Grove is west of Edmonton. It wouldn't be relocation for the Saints, but it would potentially house a, BC, a current team that's playing in BC that would relocate to Alberta. Uh, now, the team that was that was first mentioned to me was Surrey, but it might have been another one that's in that Vancouver area, uh, like Coquitlam or something like that. I asked you about it. You said that's news to you. and But you also said something else that was kind of interesting. Uh, relocation it might not be, but expansion could be.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what I mean, would that happen, I guess, with the Struce Grove Saints right there? I, I mean, maybe not. I mean, the Well, Sherwood Park could is right here, too, just- though.
3: Like Sherwood Park is on the oh true, in the east of Edmonton, Spruce Grove is on the west of Edmonton, this new rink is on the south of Edmonton, all just outside of the city, the actual city proper.
0: Which might actually be an Edmonton team name, right? Could be.
3: Could be, or it might be like Leduc.
0: Or it could be Leduc, yeah. It would be like Langley
3: course. for Vancouver.
0: Right, fair enough, that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, the thing about the BCHL right now is, I mean, it certainly, I mean, if if there was another team that expanded, uh, in into that Alberta division, uh, that would become the largest division in the BCHL because if Cranbrook moves east into that division, then you've then got the current six teams, including Cranbrook, plus now maybe an expansion team, right. which would make it seven. Um, the other thing that could be potentially, and I mean, I don't know, you'd be more in tune to what's happening there in Alberta than I would, but I mean, maybe the AJHL expands there.
3: Well, the building is owned by the folks who uh, own the Spruce Grove Saints. I'm not sure that that's a partnership right. for the HHL.
0: <laughs> Money talks, though.
3: I, I suppose you're right about that. I don't know. Hey, as far as I know, it's all just rumor and, and speculation anyway, so there might not be anything to it. Um, but uh, I was just uh, curious to see if uh, there was any smoke there uh, from your vantage point. Doesn't sound like it.
0: though. So. No no smoke that I've seen. Nope. Uh, not that I've fighting.
3: seen. All right, let's get to what's happening on the ice right now. And uh, we, we mentioned the Surrey Eagles and just uh, briefly, but, I mean, they're they're leading the league. In the standings right now, it's, it, I think there's some parity at the top end. But what do you make of the, this season for the BCHL in general?
0: Well, I mean, the quality of play uh, for the games that I've gone to, I've noticed an increase. Like, I've noticed that uh, speed and skill uh, really seems to be, uh, I mean, maybe not ramped up a ton compared to previous years, but it definitely seems better uh, than it, than in past years. I've really been impressed with with the level of play Uh, across the board uh, in in terms of the league. You're right about Surrey, um, you know, right now with a huge gap over Chilliwack in the Coastal Conference. uh, But Penticton is actually ahead of Surrey in the league standings. I was Uh, going by winning percentage,
3: Brian. I was winning percentage.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, uh, we always, which out here in Vancouver, we always get that argument when the Canucks were in first place in the NHL, but not first in winning percentage. You know, there was a big argument out here that, you know, people be like, Canucks are in first place. And it's like, well, actually, if you look at it, they're in like fifth. Um, (laughs) but regardless, I mean, Penticton, that's familiar territory for the Vs, um, but the Surrey Eagles have put together an outstanding season. They're dominant at home, um, you know, right now 22 and 1. Um, and so the South Surrey Arena is a, is a scary place to go in and play. That's also Olympic sized ice. And so the Eagles are used to playing on that, uh, that surface. And so it's been, it's been a, a real home ice advantage for that team for years. The fact that it's Olympic sized.
3: Uh, I'm curious. I know. I mean, the BCHL, all Junior A leagues, uh, are very um, transitional uh, from one year to the next. Guys are leaving to the next league or or to the NCAA. Is there a way to chart? I don't know if you've done the research. Probably a lot of homework to do. But uh, where the new players to the BCHL, guys who weren't in the league last year or the year before, where they're coming from? Do you? Do you? Ha- is there a way to chart that?
0: You're right in saying that there isn't an easy way to chart that. Um, I actually tried doing a signing tracker on my website during the, during the offseason, okay. and I got overwhelmed, and I couldn't keep up. Um, like I, just, I just wasn't able to do that. The big place that people will look at, first off, is the non-North American players. So this is the first season in a long time where um, BCHL teams are allowed to have two non-North American players uh, on their rosters, and so that could be you know junior age European players. Um, Prince George has a player from Japan on its team. like it, we've seen players come from all of these international locations, whereas that happened in the past before as well. Like I remember Prince George at one point had a had a Korean player. Uh, I know Alberni Valley had a couple of Belarusian players as well uh, back in the mid two thousands. But you had to go through the hoops that Hockey Canada had set up at that time. That's not the situation now. And so you see players coming from Sweden and Finland and the Czech Republic um, to come over and play in the BCHL and, and Ukraine and stuff like that. Um, so that's one place. And, and that's not even to say that every single team has two of the players that fall into that category. But I, I want to say that most probably do. Um, and then the other thing is, is, and I think you and I may have talked about this the last time I was on the show, is the fact that now under 18 players from across Canada can sign with the BCHL team. Right. And, and that was one whole reason why the league wanted to get out from under the Hockey Canada umbrella in the fact that in the Western Hockey League, it's no big deal for a 16-year-old player to leave the province and go and play uh, in another one to play with a Western Hockey League team. But at the junior A level, that's not allowed. And so what we've seen is we've seen players come from other parts of Canada without their family having to relocate or, Mm. you know, buy property in a location or have a mailing address or whatever. So, so that's the other places where we've seen um, these players come from and join these BCHL teams uh, this season. And that goes for American players too, because again, under hockey Canada's rules uh, an U18 American player can't come and play in Canada until he's at a high school. Well, that's not the case in the BCHL anymore. And so we have seen some U18 American players, 16- and 17-year-olds, uh, come up and play in the league as well.
3: Uh, I'm looking at the uh, top scorers. I like that top 100. I think there were four Europeans in the top 100 of scoring. I know there's a bunch of goaltenders uh, from Europe, which is interesting that uh, the, the league has been able to find some net miners from overseas. Uh, the top 20 in uh, in scoring, Uh, a little over half is American. Does that surprise you or is that kind of what we expected?
0: Uh, It doesn't really surprise me. Um, I mean, we've seen the league kind of going this way Um, anyway. And I I call some of these players like they're tweeners. So it's like, you know, they, they play in the USHL as a 16 or 17 year old, sometimes, sometimes only 16 and, and they don't get, uh, especially if you're talking about an offensive player, they don't get those opportunities like, you know, top six forward minutes power play minutes that kind of thing and they're too good though to play in the north american hockey league and 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 then, or it, on the top nhl teams they might be a middle six forward right. but then they come to the bchl and, and they get those top six minutes power play time and whatnot and so i think this is why i'll be honest i don't buy and people accuse me of drinking the kool-aid and that's fine but i don't buy into this idea that these leagues are all in competition with each other. There might be a player out there where the North American hockey league is a better fit for him. There might be a a player out there where the USHL is where he needs to be. And then there's another kid where the BCHL is it. Like it's not one size fits all. Mm -hmm. So I think that, and you know, and it depends on situationally and maybe a kid's always wanted to play in Canada. If he's from California, they're like, who knows? Right. Excuse me. So that's kind of the way that I look at it. And, I mean, I haven't crunched the numbers to see what the what the, the nationalities were you know, for the 22-23 season, but I'd, I'd be willing to bet if you look at it, there'd be a handful of Americans in the top 20 scoring there as well, and that was under Hockey Canada's umbrella.
3: Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, I'm curious. I might have to dig that out myself. Uh, when it comes to the NHL draft, we saw two guys in last year's uh, draft uh, taken in the first round, Matthew Wood, who had played in the BCHL the year previous, and uh, Bradley Nadeau, who uh, was taken, and now he's playing collegiate hockey uh, for the Maine Black Bears. Uh, this year's draft, I think the top-rated guy was something like 70th in North America. So a little yep. different there. That's is, right. is that an anomaly, do you think? Or is, is, like, is this just a one-off? Do we expect that we'll see guys that rated in the first round again out of the BCHL? Or do we have to adjust here with our expectations a bit?
0: Uh, no, I think it ebbs and flows. Um, I mean, there were, I mean, Bradley Nadeau put up a 113 point season with Penticton, um, uh, which is like dominating two points per game. And so I think that what ends up happening is, is there's just years where this is the case. Um, so I don't think it's a, it's a source of concern. Um, I mean, the BCHL measures all of its success by college commitments, and, and it continues to break records, its own records for college commitments in in that regard. And I'm talking NCAA division one. And so I know that from talking to to CEO Chris Hebb um, that NHL draft picks are great. That's awesome. Gives high profile to the league. um, But that's not the be all end all for its players. And so um, it's nice, but that's not, not really where they're looking to, descend right. its players
3: so the mandate for the league is more about getting guys division one scholarships much i mean that's very accurate to say for the ushl too although they they really yep. like to pump up any nhl numbers that they can get um but it's yeah. largely you know
0: what i wonder sorry to, sorry, sorry no, to interrupt you there, Guy. um i i wonder because i i look at the draft and i remember there was that one year where the ushl was just i think it was three years ago was absolutely dom- dominant but it was all players from the the national yes. development program yes you know it's not it's not like um you know the the, I don't know. Take your pick. Omaha Lancers had like five first round draft picks. Yes. It was, and that's not a knock against Omaha. It's just they all came from that U.S. national development team, and so I think that skews the numbers a little bit.
3: Well, this is a you're preaching to the choir right now, Brian, because this is something I've been talking about for a long time now. That, uh, and I think it really needs to be specified when you're looking at the USHL specifically, is that. The players who go play for the NTDP, they're part-time USHL players because their schedule is—you know—they play over the course of two seasons. The program plays 120 some games, but less than half of them are actually in the USHL. Um, so it's right. it's very part-time USHL players, uh, in my opinion. So I appreciate the, that you feel the same way. Um, yes, it greatly inflates <laughs> the numbers uh, for the USHL. I don't think there's there's any way around that. Speaking of the USHL, another rumor that I've heard is that there there's going to be some sort of partnership at least being worked on between the BCHL and the USHL, which is interesting because I had the USHL's commissioner on the show last summer, and we were talking about the BCHL a little bit, and and he really hoped that the league would get back under the Hockey Canada umbrellas. He said that he'd love to play against BCHL teams or have an association but can't with a unsanctioned league. Do you think there's something in the works that they'll find some way to maybe bring the BCHL under the USHL umbrella?
0: Um, not unless the USHL leaves USA Hockey, because it would it would have to be that way. Like, the USHL is sanctioned by the national governing body of the sport in America. And for the BCHL to be under that umbrella, it's not really the USHL umbrella, it's USA Hockey.
3: If the BCHL had, you know, if, when Wenatchee was there, would that be that one toe south of the border, would that be enough to qualify every team in the BCHL to fall under USA hockey?
0: Well, that question that you just asked is the same reason why every team in the Western Hockey League and Ontario Hockey League and Quebec Major Junior Hockey League isn't under Hockey Canada's umbrella either, Hmm. right? Like the Seattle Thunderbirds, Seattle Thunderbirds aren't under Hockey Canada's umbrella. They're just, they, so the way that it it works is, um, uh, and I remember reading, this was at one point, I read the agreement between, the like the the CJHL the Junior A yeah. overarching governing body and and the the CJHL is essentially a partner league with Hockey Canada and the the Major Junior so the CHL is similar which is why and again this is the of saying you know why are we different right. um, when they were sanctioned you know it's okay for sixteen to twenty year old players in the the Canadian Hockey League to wear a half visor yeah but a hockey canada rule is that players at that age are supposed to wear a full cage or a full bubble well in major junior it's okay though so it's it's not that and again again the western hockey league has all its own rules about discipline and and all that kind of stuff yet they're still a partner of hockey canada
3: right
0: so so the ushl is similar in the fact that it's it, it it's under USA hockey's umbrella. Now, again, I don't know the entire workings of the relationship between the USHL and USA hockey. I suspect it may be a little tighter than that between the CHL and hockey Canada. Um, uh, That's just me. I'm guessing (laughs) in that case, but I, 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 I see where the commissioner of the USHL is coming from is that the fact is that the, the governing bodies are supposed to adhere to what happens outside of its own country. So USA Hockey and Hockey Canada, clearly they have agreements for transfers and all that kind of stuff, um, that, that the USHL shouldn't be working with the non-sanctioned league in, in Canada in that, in that case. Um, I thought the exact same thing. So a perfect example was this, this last uh, World Junior Hockey Championship. There were BCHL players who played for their home countries, like Norway, uh, at the World Juniors, and I was like, how can that happen? Because the double IHF should recognize that this is a non sanctioned Hockey Canada like team that this player is playing for, yet Hockey Norway was like, No problem, let's go.
3: I didn't even think of that.
0: Right? Like that that, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> you know, because it, it should like basically the, the governing body of hockey in Norway should recognize what Hockey Canada has said, and that's that these players aren't eligible for the world juniors.
3: Wow, lots of balls up in the air there. And hey,
0: worms. <laughs> what, what
3: about the uh, the Trail Smoke Eaters? I know there was some uh, some concern about their financial viability moving forward. Any update there? Uh,
0: not that I'm aware of. I mean, I know Trails got a solid ownership group who's done a lot to invest um, in the community and in the arena. Um, when you look at attendance, in terms of reported attendance, Trails is uh, is I, I want to say I think fifth in the league. Wow. Um, for a market that's not all that large yeah, uh, sure. in that East Kootenai area or in that West Kootenai area. Um, so, trail, from what I, all accounts, I mean, Kamingo Arena is still crazy old, but um, okay. uh, I mean, endearing. I mean, endearing. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> um, uh, and, and you know what? It is. It's a fabulous old barn. Like, I love going to Kamingo Arena. Um, so, no, I mean, in terms of at the turnstiles, trail's doing all right.
3: Uh, before I let you go, Brian, what do you got coming out at the BCHL Network that we should watch for?
0: Uh, well, I've got a Q&A coming out with uh, with BCHL CEO Chris Hebb. Uh, that's coming out uh, hopefully soon okay. um, in the next few days. Uh, some player profiles as well. Uh, and I know one of my writers is actually working on the first AJHL spe- team, specific, so one of the five, uh, specific article uh, in the next little while too. So we're just waiting for, for that to come down the pike.
3: Fantastic. Great stuff. I kept you a long time, but it was uh, always educational for me, so I appreciate it. Uh, Brian, this was great.
0: Yeah, my pleasure, Gee.
3: Anytime. All right, there's Brian Weeb from BCHL Network. And just out of curiosity, I did pull up the uh, nationality breakdown for the BCHL over the last, uh, well, this year, last year, and the year before, as an example. Just to compare, so a couple of years ago in the 2021-22 season, that would be the last under the CJHL and Hockey Canada together. Matthew Wood led the league in scoring that year. He had 85 points. Of the top 25 scorers in the league that year, all were Canadian except two. So 23, in fact, 24 of the top 26 were Canadian. The other two were both American, no Euros. And the nationality breakdown was uh, 80.9% of the players in the BCHL that year were Canadian. 183 were American. And then there was a sprinkling of guys from Norway, 0.2% from Russia, 0.2% from Sweden, 0.2% from Switzerland. In those cases, I'd have to look them up specifically. Might have been dual citizens or something like that. I'm not even sure. But just a hair under 81% uh, were Canadian, 18.3% were American. That was basically the breakdown. That is from uh, two seasons ago. Last season, still under Hockey Canada, but... After they'd left the Canadian Junior Hockey League, the Canadian content dropped to 75.5%. That 5% difference, basically going all to Americans, 23.8% in the BCHL last year were Americans. You had a Russian in Adar Sanaev with the Penticton Vs, who was a third in scoring. Of course, the Nadeau brothers uh, led the way by a mile. All three of those guys were with the Penticton Vs. The Nadeaus, Canadian. But notably, eight of the top 20 scorers last year were American. So that's a big change from only having two in the top 25 to eight in the top 20. And then we go to this year where the nationality content in the BCHL, Canadians less than 70%. Now 69.9% are Canadian, so just a hair under 70. American content up a little bit more to 25.3%. Now there's a few more Europeans. Sweden has 1%. Norway up to 0.7. Finland up to 0.5. So still not huge portions coming from Europe for the BCHL, but another growth, uh, another uptick for Americans. And then when you look at the statistical leaders, as I mentioned uh, during that conversation with Brian, last year it was 8 of the top 20 that were American in scoring. This year it's 8 of the top 20 that are Canadian. So Americans taking over in the BCHL, uh, statistically speaking, as well. Over the last month, I'd had a couple of guests on to look at uh, the way things transpired between the AJ and the BCHL, with those five teams leaving the AJ and uh, joining the BCHL. I got the AJ perspective on that, so this week I wanted to uh, get the BCHL perspective, and, and Brian does a great job covering that league, so I really appreciate his time. And I always learn stuff when Brian's on the show. Really interesting about the World Junior Championship, how the IIHF should technically not allow players from the BCHL to be playing in the World Junior, but did anyway. And he mentioned a Norwegian player, and that would be Johan Lockberg, who's a forward with the West Kelowna Warriors, has 34 points in 36 games. Well, he played in the World Junior, the U20 World Junior this past uh, tournament, had a single point in five games. Norway. Interesting stuff. But with that, that will do it for this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. Really appreciate all four guests that I had this week. Reminder that if you want to become a patron and get the advanced listen to all of the interviews, the, all individually, two of those I had done on a Monday or Tuesday, a couple of more I had done on Wednesday, patrons were able to hear those interviews those days. Full show comes out on Friday, so those interviews that were done on Tuesday, patrons have been able to hear those at their convenience for the last three or four days before the general public gets that chance. If that's something that would interest you, then I encourage you to check out patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. It costs a couple of bucks a month, American, a little less than that if you do it on an annual basis. You get a 10% discount that way. You can also send me direct messages, request guests that you'd like to hear on the show lots of ways to interact you can also interact with other listeners that's at patreon.com/ the pipeline show next week on the program we well, we're into the stretch drive for the playoffs in uh, pretty much every league that there is uh, so uh, it's always an excited time of year to talk playoffs and as the calendar has now officially flipped to march it's not just playoffs in the end of the regular seasons but we started in college hockey we start getting into conference playoffs. Internationally, we get into the World U18 not that far away, so lots to talk about. And then there's always the NHL draft. So, between now and next week, get out and watch some junior college hockey so that we can talk about it right here on the Pipeline Show. It's brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. My name is Gee Flaming. See ya.